Okay. All right, welcome to Touch Podcast. We are back with season two. <laughs> season two. And not just two guys talking about guy stuff. We have with us the feminine Eros, the sexual stupid Ryan saying dumb stuff. We are here with Shannon Etheridge, author, guest from season one, author and speaker. She works with a lot, a lot of couples who uh, struggle with and uh, with their sexual relationship and find all kinds of good happiness and long lasting relationships and sexual health and lots of other random things that I should have prepared to say before I said this, but it was a pretty good improvisation. Yeah. Yeah. So Shannon Etheridge is on the show for season two. Welcome Shannon Etheridge. (laughs) And I'm delighted that of the plethora of women that you could have chosen that you picked me because you you told me how many women were like lining up outside your door going, I want to be on that podcast. I want to co-host that podcast with you and Nate. Yes. Every woman on the planet was here. (laughs) <laughs> yes, the the mailbag was just full of people who... No, actually, we did have several comments uh, from friends and from um, just listeners who listen to the show about, you really need a woman on the show, you really need a woman on the show. And so um, we were uh, really fortunate to, uh, to intersect Shannon's life at a time where she w- had some space in her schedule to add something. And so we're honored, Shannon, that you would add us. Yes. To your daily grind. I'm the one who's delighted. I have to I have to say that when when our mutual friend Jessica Provitt introduced me to Touch Podcast, I listened to the first couple of episodes and I was pulling a Nicolas Cage from Saturday Night Live. I was like, how am I not on that show? Like, I want to be on that show. <laughs> it was one of my deepest desires to be on this show with you. And so yeah, I really appreciated you guys doing the little two-part interview in season one, and I thoroughly enjoyed our time together in Chattanooga, and then to get to be co-hosting the entire season two with you, I am deliriously delighted. Yeah, and speaking of your desire to be on the show, desire happens to be the theme for us for this second season of the podcast. Um would you say, Ryan, the first season of the podcast was about purity? How would you how would you summarize our first season? Yeah, season one was an exploratory experiment that settled into talking about purity and shame. And so we had a variety of voices from different perspectives speak into that those those topics and what religious life and and, and purity thought and shame as a state of being as an and as an emotion tends to exemplify our dark our shadow side of our sexuality in America. So that's what we sort of explored in season 1. So if you're joining us in season 2 and you're curious about our thoughts and other folks thoughts about shame and purity, you can go back and listen to season 1 as a serial um and um, but yeah, so we're we're we that will be a theme in this season, but we will um, we're moving beyond that topic um, because um, yeah, when we got together, Shannon mentioned that we got together in, in Chattanooga to plan out um, season two, and the topic of desire and everything that sort of culminates for 
desire in our lives and in our culture seem to be the thing that resonated with all three of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys did a really excellent job in season one identifying the fact that there is a purity culture, quote unquote, that hasn't exactly accomplished what it originally set out to accomplish, that in fact, it's kind of done the opposite. I think that the goal was probably to set people up to have a great sex life instead of uh, getting involved in addictive behaviors or whatever. But yeah, you really did a great job revealing the fact that there's a lot of emotional fallout and a lot of shame and baggage that was created from that whole true love weights type of era. Um, being 10 years ahead of you guys, I guess maybe I escaped it a little bit, but definitely your generation and the generation past that, I think has really bared the brunt of that. Um, and I know that I said it in season one, but I'm going to say it again, just for the sake of those who haven't listened to that episode all of us abstinence educators are so sorry that we didn't know what the crap we were talking about so often and we didn't mean to infuse it in shame, but obviously it was easily translated that way. And I can totally see that now in hindsight. And so I challenged you guys to let, let's focus on what's the solution and I think allowing our desires to flow freely and unashamedly is definitely the solution. So I'm, I'm, I was thrilled when you guys jumped on board that train and said, yeah, let's make that season two topic. Yeah. And, and also what I really loved about our time together, too, is when we when we sat down and we we shared how we were all educators and teachers at some point, we we also discussed a little bit what we had to go through to find our alignment again and how how that can look different for some of us and that, but what we do, we do believe in a, a same creator and a, and a same, um, holy view of sexuality that hasn't fully been articulated in purity culture. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I had a conversation with a, a group of about 10 people at a counselor's conference recently. And a friend of mine, Jim Crest, said it best. He said, there is a big riff in the conversation between people who have been involved in sexual addiction type of recovery movements and sex therapy movements. That the conversation, it's not that they disagree on foundational principles, it's that the conversation can really get crossways because basically sexual addiction recovery is all about how sex is bad, sex is bad. Well, to an addict who's acting out, yeah, sex is bad, but to those who are more of the sex therapy mindset, trying to encourage couples to have vibrant, healthy sex lives, sex is good. And, and so it's how can it be bad and good at the same time and just reconciling all of that and, and realizing that, hey, we're all on the same page. We all want what's best for other people and what's best for us and what's best for relationships. So I just applaud you guys being podcasting pioneers and opening the dialogue and creating conversation within churches and across denominational lines and, and just among so many different groups of people with this podcast. I'm going to have to stand up and dance. Yeah. I'm going to have to dance yeah. over that. Ryan, that's so exciting. For those of you at home, Nathan is dancing on the camera. Uh, if you uh, support this podcast on Patreon, Patreon slash Touch Podcast, you can see that dance um, <laughs> on on 
There you well, go. Well, here's here's the bad part, right? Or Nathan, I, I don't mean to like rain on your on your little dance parade there, but uh-huh. Uh-huh. the definition of a pioneer or a trailblazer is the one who has all the arrows in their back. Do you guys want to talk about some of the arrows that have flown your way? Have you gotten flack for Touch Podcast? Wow, that's a really good question, Shannon. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> I get the feeling you have right. a really good answer, Nate. Well, I mean, well, for for me, because this is a chance for some of the listeners out there to get to know us. Um, I was raised in Christian culture, and then I think around when I got married, um, after the first years of marriage, I, I drifted. I'm I moved. I kind of moved outside of that, and I went on my own journey. And now I, and I kind of came back. So my my life, my career, I went into, te- into television um, in Los Angeles. So there, there wasn't a lot of persecution for me. Um, but I think Ryan may have some stories. <laughs> Coming out of denominational life, yeah. So in the meantime, between season one and season two, I during season one, I had a denominational kind of job um, for a large organization. And I don't have that job anymore, and which is really good for me. And I think it's good for the organization, too, because they'll be able to grow and, and have someone um, there who um, doesn't make them nervous when he gets on uh, a nationally um, circulated podcast that saying, you know, semen and penis and vulva and all the other things that uh, we plan to say in this. So, yeah, I'm experiencing a lot of personal freedom in that. Um but you know that but that does speak to the fact that for a lot of church leaders and I think a lot of our listeners we have a a large portion of our listeners are church leaders who are are listening for ways to talk about sex in in faith circles. And so and they want to bring together um and I think we we have framed this season to be uh, diverse like the last season so our listeners will hear things from from traditions that are not their own tradition and from perspectives that are not their own perspective. And that's intentional. Um, you take, you know, take what's uh, useful to you and uh, uh, I hope would uh, be cur- curiously considered things that uh, are surprising or shocking or out of your comfort zone um, and from whatever perspective you come from. And so, you know, the, the, and I, some of our mailbag um, comments are from ministers who feel stuck between um, teaching the things that they're they feel like the parents want them to say when it's if it's youth um, and what they know to be probably a more healthier and open more open conversation about sex um, a, a way. And maybe that's a struggle for authenticity. And so I hope that in last season you heard this and in this season you hear it especially is the three of us being as authentic as we can and challenging our our guests in the first segment of each show to being their most, most authentic self too and just trusting the community to do, you know, to, to be dis, use their own discernment and consideration and curiosity to do what they need to do with that information that was a real rambling way to say something and um but i got away from my point i can't remember what it was (laughs) well let me bring you back around to your point by asking this question 
and I'm asking it of both of you because both of you had the background. We come at this from very different angles in that you guys, I don't want to say you drank the Kool-Aid because that makes it sound like somebody intended to harm you and, and no one intended to harm anybody in this whole abstinence education movement. The harm was, was totally accidental, but you guys did sign the purity pledge cards and you, and you lived that life and you came into marriage uh, with, with no sexual experience previously then to be shocked that, uh, that the heavens didn't open up and just rain down tons of sexual confidence on you magically. Um, whereas I had, I had been a very sexual addicted teenager and really had to get my life straightened out before I was ready for marriage, before I could re be ready to be a good partner. Do you think that there is a grass is always greener on the other side of the fence mentality among these two opposite ends of the spectrum groups of people? You know, I would like to answer that one because for me, I can answer only for myself. And I would say yes, because um, I think you, you and I, Shannon, we have such uniquely similar yet different sexual narratives. Um, for you to go through your exploration younger before your first marriage. Um, and then for me, I didn't do that before I was married. I'm doing that post-divorce. Um, and both, both arenas, right? Arenas of understanding who you are and dating. It's a lot. And when, when there's no clear narrative, whether if you're in purity or if you're outside of church culture and you have no narrative at all, simply not having a narrative to relate with, with your partner, it's, it is scary. It's like bumper cars nonstop. It's just, and so you do want some type, you want something to hold on to. So I would say for me, even as a single person now, um, it is a lot. I wish there was that commonality that we had within purity culture, but something that met our needs more. Hmm. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I had some sexual experiences before getting married, but um, because of that context, I was so deeply ashamed that I wasn't able to be in dialogue with other men or women, but particularly I wasn't in dialogue with other men or ministers about what I was really experiencing about my, what I was really struggling with, what I was, what my real hopes were. And so for me as a, and I was a youth minister, I don't know, 90 96 to 97 you know and I and I was I taught the stuff I had been taught so we did we did like a disciple now weekend and we had the youth do the pledge cards and we had a service on Sunday night where they came forward and turned in those pledge cards and um uh at the time you know and I was I was really working hard for that to be true for me at the time and wanted that to be true for my youth. But I also was sort of perpetuating an environment where, um, where, you know, there wasn't a place for me to go where I could be honest or be heard and not feel judged. And I probably didn't provide that for, I mean, I, you know, I'm not probably, I'll just say I didn't provide that, um, as a, you know, 19 20 year old youth minister uh to the youth where i ministered so you know i i think the the 
the the failure of of purity culture and the one of the failures of purity culture is creating an environment where people uh, couldn't feel accepted, loved, and held. You know, experience that unconditional love of God, um, and that 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 for me that was the biggest because I could have found community in my brokenness and support when in times when that would have been formative for me. Yeah. Mm. What comes to my mind as we dialogue about this is, first of all, I think that it's interesting that how stereotypically it's the boys who are out there getting all this experience prior to marriage and the girls remaining totally chaste. And in our situations, it was kind of the reverse. Um, But it also brings to mind how, uh, well, let me just say, you know, the kind of the moral of that story is that stereotypes are just that. They're just stereotypes. Everybody's story is unique. It's as unique as your thumbprint. Everybody's sexual story is so unique. But I also think that there seems to be kind of a spectrum where on one end you have the sex addicts who are acting out and doing things to medicate pain and, and not understanding why. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have almost an expectation of asexuality. It's not just that I have all this sexual energy, but I'm trying to harness it and save it for my marriage partner, that it's almost like I shouldn't have any sexual energy at all. And if I admit that I do, then I'm going to be judged and condemned and be ousted from the tribe type of a thing. And I just think that both of those are so extreme and so many people fall into the 98% somewhere in the middle and uh, I hope that we hear from a lot of those folks during this season. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned the word asexual, Shannon, because um, as a guy, I have to admit, when I was married, I reached a state of asexuality. And when I say asexual, I do not mean I didn't have a sexual craving. What I meant was I diverted that sexual energy to pornography. I became a porn addict and, and I stopped relating to people. And I stopped craving for sex, and I stopped looking for sex. And um, that type of paralysis, that type, that type of sexual paralysis resulted to me finding my masculinity and other things that I could do. Being a good husband, being a good leader, being a good boss. And I was kicking butt on those things. I was doing so good. And I, I thought that would somehow balance me. So but you were sublimating. The- yes. Great word. Thank you for saying that. And by doing so, um, I was not cultivating my sexual desire. It stayed in a shadow. Um, it stayed in the area of sin and shame. Um, and my sexual, uh, my sexual being, it existed. It just wasn't playing out in real life. And that's what I mean by asexual. So what, when I call myself an asexual man, I hope I'm relating to a lot of men out there who are amazing fathers, who are amazing husbands, who are amazing uh, leaders and ministers but they just don't have a sex life in their marriage. And yes. And were you ever made to feel as if looking at porn made you some sort of sex addict? Because my experience with the couples that I've worked with is that just because you're a porn addict does not make you a sex addict. If anything, you're using the porn instead of sex. So I think it's interesting how people just lump together this, this sex addict label and and just like so many people fall into the category like I was having dinner with a friend recently and she made the comment to someone else at the table how she's married to a sex addict and I thought 
I know your husband and we've talked very openly with your husband about many issues and I've never known this about and and then it hit me she thinks that because he wants sex frequently from her that makes him a sex addict and I wanted to pull her aside and say baby girl do not label your husband with that label he is not a sex addict if he's just interested in having sex with his wife and he's patiently waiting for those opportunities. And so I just found it, it really interesting how the dialogue, the labels, the stereotypes, it's gotten really convoluted. And my hope is through this podcast that together, and by together, I don't mean just the three of us, but everybody collectively listening, that we can really sort and sift and separate all of these words and their meanings and and have a better understanding of what God intended for holy and healthy sexual expression within marriage. I'm, I'm going to mention something really quick, Shannon, because this really touched me when we were hanging out in Chattanooga. And Ryan, I think you remember this moment as well. Um, maybe we can even share this on the Pantheon site. But uh, Shannon, during one of our lunches, you affirmed me. You affirmed me as a broken, um, estranged, misidentified man who thought who, he was a sex addict at one point. And well, I didn't use the word estranged, or but I can tell that you interpreted it that way, and that's totally fine. I wanted you to know that you're loved and you're normal, yeah, and that your experiences in life have brought you to the place that you're at, but this is not where you're staying. None of us are going to stay where we're at. We're all evolving day by day, year by year. Um, I'm just thrilled that we can all have these conversations because I think the conversations themselves can be so very healing. And I hope that for all the people listening who did hold on to their virginity until marriage and maybe were disillusioned and disappointed um, once they got into marriage or those people who have acted out before marriage and still carry that, that guilt and shame or people who've experienced sexual betrayal within the marriage relationship. I mean, there's just so much potential trauma that could be looked at under the microscope. Um, my hope is that there will be a lot of healing and a lot of grace-based sex education happening through these podcasts. Yeah. Mm, wow. Yes. Yeah. And, and, but I don't want us to miss the question for you too, Shannon, because I think this kind of relates to where you came from. You mentioned how being a leader, we kind of had arrows in our backs. Yeah. The thing that stands out the most for me is that when I wrote the Every Woman's Battle series, there was a lot of kudos for that. Speaking out about my previous sexual relationships um, and just the regret that I had and some of the shame that I carried around about that. There was all kinds of kudos from within the church. I was pleasantly surprised and so appreciated the affirmation and felt total freedom to share my story and be very, very vulnerable with people and help them be vulnerable as well. What shocked me though is when I shifted from sexual integrity to the message of sexual intimacy in marriage. When I wrote The Sexually Confident Wife, there was all kinds of fear interpretation and, and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, I had one woman say to me, um, I threw that book in the trash where trash belongs. And I thought, wow, you've got to be a barrel of monkeys in bed. You know, like, there was nothing unholy or impure about 
that book, but it was definitely a more candid conversation than Christians were used to having. And fortunately, 10 years later, people have, have uh, learned to celebrate that book. But when it first came out, yeah, there was a lot of arrows in my back. It hurt. Arrows aren't fun, <laughs> but it's how progress is made. I really wanted women to understand that they deserve to be sexually confident wives, regardless of their size or their shape or their previous experiences. They deserve to be sexually confident because the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross cleanses us of everything we've ever done and everything we'll ever do. So we may as well just enjoy this gift of sexuality that he gave us. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we pass the plate. The organ starts playing softly in the background. <laughs> and the deacons come forward for the invitation. This is when husbands go to shannonethers.com and sign their wife up for a women at the well workshop or for, for a sexually confident couple workshop for them both to attend. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I have this list in front of me. I don't know if you guys do, but of the list of all the things we we thought would be fun to talk about this season, sort of under the big banner of desire. So uh, we've mentioned a lot of them already, but um, we have sexual anorexia, sexual addiction, sex toys, uh, Kinsey scale on sexuality, uh, asexuality, masculinity, femininity, fantasy, fetishes, pleasure, lust, now, I have to say that um, actually in the the ne episode after this one, we'll be talking to Linda K. Klein and her book, Pure Inside the Evangelical Movement. And um, uh, we talk about a little bit about that. Uh, we get um, on this topic of after purity, you know, finding pleasure, finding, you know, um, yeah, we start talking about some of these things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get the cart before the horse, but um, I, I think you should rename. I think you should uh, re-say a few of those titles in a sexy voice. Okay, <laughs> to kind of get us in the desire mood. It's sexual. Also, say the whole subtitle of her book because I'm oh, yeah, fascinated yeah. that this book has finally been published. It's long overdue in our culture. Yeah. So Linda K. Klein has uh, published a book, uh, pure inside the evangelical movement that shamed a generation of young women. And How I Broke Free. It's a really terrific book. We'll speak with uh, the author in the next episode. Um, and we, we hit some of these topics in there because, uh, as we learned in the last season, coming from uh, a deeply shaming sort of religious background, denominational background, uh, it is not natural, after being programmed a certain way to think about sex, you know, and the example you guys just uh, talked through about, like, if the husband is feeling sexual, wants to have sex with his wife, that she feels like suddenly he's now a sex addict. Well, that's because if in the dating relationship he was supposed to come off as being, a pretend to be asexual to some sort of Christian ideal, it, w it might feel to her that he's being a sex addict. So um, we will talk about, um, about her book, the great content of that book, and then in Springboard there. From there to talk, um, in and in talking about um, how we how we uh, live into our sexual selves after after purity. Um, yeah, that was a little commercial there. Uh, there's more on this list: uh, fantasy, fetishes, pleasure, lust, arousal, turn ons and turn offs, asexuality in men and women, Christian 
polyamory, which uh, is a new concept. <laughs> like to me. jumbo shrimp or fun run. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're that is uh, uh, that's going to be an interesting episode because that is a growing movement. I did not know that this existed, but um, I'm always up for doing a little research. <laughs> my wife is not up for any research on that topic but um no yeah so we're going to talk about that um ooh, uh, on this brainstorm list we have stamina uh -uh. yes <laughs> get in my 40s gotta get some stamina um uh we're hoping we'll be talking to some people some other religious traditions have some rabbis uh on deck to talk to about sexuality getting through shame uh, talking to our kids about sex and sexuality. Um, sex talk with out-of-town parents. Oh. Oh, my. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, so I was talking, a friend of mine is a chaplain at a retirement community. And she comes up to me and she says, Ryan, you guys have got to talk about kids talking to their parents about sex. <laughs> because you have because of with the advent of Viagra and you have these retirement communities where like it's like a one to seven, you know, male to female ratio. And you have. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to go there uh, if we have time. That could be a whole season. Maybe not one that I want to be a part of all the time. Um, we're going to talk about porn. We mentioned earlier porn, porn addiction. Um, uh, and, uh, we brought up, uh, the exploration of holy erotica in season one. That's going to circle back around this season. Um, aging, sexuality and aging. Um, we're going to talk about LGBTQ and sex in this season. Um, also on the brainstorm list is the first time sexual experience. Um, and we hope that you will email in your stories of your first time sexual experience, positive and negative. We want lots of positive stories in there too, not just negative stories. Um, mm -hmm. You don't have to be have been shamed by your pastor into oblivion to uh, write in. Um, power and control in sexual relationships, communication in sexual relationships, and um, that is a long enough list. I mean, that's like fifty books right there. And um, 100 television shows. Yeah. And the idea here, folks, for those of you who are listening, the idea here is the reason why we're talking about all these diverse subjects is that, unfortunately, there are a lot of us in our, in our lives, in our marriages, in our churches or what have you, who don't have the space to talk about these things. And when you don't have the space to talk about these things, you don't have the space to get to know yourself or what you believe about these things. And we are missing a chance to understand our own bodies in the safe space of conversation before throwing it into the coliseum of being intimate with your partner head on, right? So we want you to be a part of this conversation, ask questions, feel like you can contribute, comment, go right ahead. It's, it's not just me, Ryan, and Shannon here. You guys are here too, and we'd love to talk to you guys too. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a total hoedown of good, happy sex talk. Great way to describe it. Yeah, happy hoedown. <laughs> oh, hoedown. <laughs> oh my goodness. Basically, we're not we're not we're not playing in the shallow end this season. We're going deep. We're going deep. Yeah, under the banner of desire. So all these things that sort of circle, and they don't have to. We can do whatever we want. It's our podcast, but. 
Well, I have to say that, um, that as we dive into all these various topics, I think that the reason that so many pastors don't necessarily feel the freedom to go down into the deep end like we are planning on this season is kind of what Ryan alluded to earlier. There is a passing of the offering plate and they don't want to offend people. They don't want to shock people. And so many come into church with so many different views that they they have to play it safe. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that relying on the church as the sex educator was really ever the best idea. And I'm not saying that the Bible isn't full of great advice and wisdom about sex, especially when you look at the Song of Solomon. I'm just simply saying that I think that these conversations have been relegated to pastors and spiritual leaders for so long and that um, I can understand how sometimes their hands are tied and a sock is in their mouth. So um, I think that it's just high time for Christians to be able to have these conversations among themselves and not just Christians, but people across, you know, across faith lines and even across sexual orientation lines. I mean, we're all children of God. And, and the same way that Nate, you're wanting to like make space for the things that you're learning. Um, I'm going to have to like chime in on occasion of like, I know when the conservative Christians who have historically followed me for the past 25 years, I will know when their butt cheeks are squeezing really, really tight <laughs> and the hair on the back of their neck is standing up. And I probably will just give them voice on occasion uh, in support, but also in challenge. Because until we are challenged, our thinking doesn't change. It doesn't evolve. It doesn't progress. And um, so, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see where this season takes us all in our journeys and see where it takes our listeners. Do you hear that, folks? Hear that, all folks? We, we must all, all listen. We must all listen to when our butt cheeks start to tighten. That's what I got. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is probably usually me. If you hear that happening, it's coming from my mic. So you you got Nate over here on kind of on the left, mm-hmm. and you got mm-hmm. Shannon over here kind of more on the right, and Nate is in the middle getting. Or I'm sorry, right. Ryan is Ryan. in the middle yeah. Yeah. getting squeezed. <laughs> <laughs> I think he loves it. I think you're totally right, Nate. Yeah, I and I can live vicariously through both of you. Being the fulcrum in the middle, trying yeah. to balance us. <laughs> Admit it, Ryan. This is a turn on for you. Admit it. I, I am extremely turned on right now. What I want people to get more than anything is that we can have respectful dialogue, even if we disagree. It It is not a deal breaker for us to have different views and opinions, we are all gonna have different views and opinions on a wide variety of topics, but we can still choose to love and listen. Yes. Yeah, that's, and... that's sort of a unique idea uh, right now in America. So, but we're going to do it. We are gonna do it. If, uh, all throughout the season, if you have uh, a word to speak into this conversation or have a question you would like us to answer, in the second segment of each show, we will um do a we'll talk through the mailbag and you can email that question at info at touchpodcast.com or you can call and leave a voicemail at 678-685-1010 678-685-1010 don't do that while you're driving obviously uh, but yeah let us know how you're feeling on these things we love to um take some of your ideas or if you have a story to tell um we'd love to hear that story um, shoot it over to us, and we'll see what we can do with it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode one of season two of Touch Podcast. This is Ryan Clark. And this is Nathan Rivero. Be sure to tune in for our next episode where we interview author Linda K. Klein about purity. 
And I am Shannon Etheridge, and we love you for listening.